What aging in reverse means to me now is having the childlike wonder that we had as kids when anything was possible, when we were creative, when we believed anything was possible, and we were actually living for love and joy, because that actually is what I know is true to make people age in reverse and feel younger, look younger, and be younger now. So I was in for a rude awakening when I was so focused on external looks or what I have or all that, and that wasn't working for me. And now what I know is the true joy is in actually just being your authentic self and you know, I think back to like little, like I look at little kids playing at the beach, whatever, like they're so confident. They're like just having fun. There's no sense of time. They're very present. All they care about is love and presence and fun and joy. And that is what I see keeps people young is when you embrace that. That's Natalie Jill. And this is episode 331 of Wellness Force Radio. Wellness Force Radio, where we discover the physical and emotional intelligence to live life well. You can have the same brain states as someone who's done an hour of meditation every day for 40 years. There's a lot of losses that we go through, so the ability to be able to cope with those losses is very important to build skill in it, because loss will happen. You know, you have to have spiritual courage to really grow spiritually, because if you really want to take guidance from your soul, you have to be ready to realize that many of the things that you're asking for guidance on, your ego has some kind of an addiction to or an investment in. What's happening in podcast world? It's Josh Trent and you made it to Wellness Force. Now, before we get into the show, I just want to give a huge deep breath to everyone, anyone affected by the coronavirus, whether it's health or financial stress or just stress in general. There's a lot of people that are significantly hurting right now. So let's take a deep collective breath together and just send them some love. It makes a difference. Thank you for being here because this podcast today is for you if you're a curious wellness enthusiast like me, somebody who cares about longevity and physical health, spiritual health, emotional wellness, because our guest today is well-known. She's a well-known fat loss expert, but she turned into a high performance coach on her journey. It's interesting though, where our conversation goes with this featured guest was so surprising and refreshing to me that I cannot wait for you to hear this podcast with the one and the only Natalie Jill. She's someone that I recently met and on this show is actually the first time we met, but I had heard about her work, I had seen her work, and I trusted her message to share with our community. Now, her vulnerability and authenticity today on the show was powerful, like very, very, very powerful in the way that she shared her own journey. And this is how we learn, right? We learn from other people's stories and journeys. You're going to hear on the show how much this surprised me, and I'll let you hear it on the show. I won't ruin the surprise. Her relationship with her dad and how that shaped her life and her own emotional intelligence path was so powerful and so authentic that um, I can just tell, I can just tell it's going to be something special for you. And before we get into the show, I just want to thank Organifi. I love you guys. Organifi, you make the gold, but you fill it full of adaptogens for us, the supplement powder. It's organically grown. It's really powerful because one of the key ingredients in the gold is reishi, reishi mushroom. It's a superfood. It's an immune system support as well as all the other adaptogens. Right now, it's really important as it always is, right? But right now, especially to boost your immune system, you can do this and you can also save some money. You can actually save 20% off, which is the biggest savings on the planet. I know this because we're grandfathered in. I drink this stuff too. You can get the immune system boost right now through Organifi. Just go to Organifi.com forward slash wellness force. Use the code wellness force to get 20% off, which is super generous. You're benefiting your immune system. Your wallet gets spared. Wellness force is the code. You get 20% off at Organifi.com forward slash wellness force. 
Now, we're going to explore some interesting concepts with Natalie Jill today. Make sure you head over to her Instagram and her Facebook. Let her know you heard her here on Wellness Force for this very different interview. This is a very different interview than Natalie Jill usually is on. And of course, that's because we like it that way. We like to know the deep down, the expansive stuff. We share these conversations with the people that we care about right now, and that makes a difference to them. You can do us a huge favor. It's super easy. Please just tap your phone, share this podcast with someone. Share it with somebody you think would love this podcast. It would mean a lot to us. And you also get to be entered to win. You can get 90 days of Organifi uh, delivered right to your house. It would be a huge support to Wellness Force. Please consider leaving us a review, a five-star review on iTunes, or just head over to wellnessforce.com forward slash review. And you can leave us a review right from your phone or your computer. You'll be automatically entered to win the 90 days of Organifi. Okay, now let's do this. Let's drop in with Natalie Jill. We're going to talk about this concept that she's known for now, which is aging in reverse. And most importantly, all the emotional, physical, and spiritual parts that actually plug into that. Let's drop in. Natalie Jill, welcome to the show. Thank you. Excited to chat. Look, we just did an epic, and I mean epic, back and forth tennis match with vocabulary on your show. Yeah. And this makes me even more excited to spotlight you. Like, this is a cool moment for me because we both have a decade plus in fitness, yet we both also saw fitness for what it is, what it was, and what it can be. And I know you believe this, and let's start our conversation right here. Totally. When it comes to fitness, it's really just a gateway to wellness, well-being, wholeness, health, like that feeling of peace inside of ourselves. That was my understanding, but I didn't know it in the beginning. You know, what, what's your take on the fitness industry now when it's the gateway to wellness? What does that mean to you? Gosh, you know, fitness is like that first level of wanting to control something. So like when I think about like when I got into fitness, I was in a very different place. I was in corporate America. It was back in 2007, 2008 when the stock market and housing market had crashed. I was a newly single mom. I had just gained a ton of weight. I was depressed. I was having like this massive breakdown in my life of, uh, which felt like just this heavy rock bottom. And I remember thinking like, I couldn't control anything. Like there was, I couldn't control my finances. I couldn't control my relationship. I couldn't control my body. But the one thing I knew I could control was what I was doing with my body. Mm. Like there was this awareness. And so fitness to me became something I could win at every day. Like I could do something with my body and have a win, which helped me get out of my Shitstorm was really what I was in. <laughs> We're going to talk about the shitstorm because yeah. uh, we all go through them, and yours is a good one because I've it allowed you. You've had several, <laughs> but you yeah. but you had a big one that really launched you yeah. into a brand and a voice and something people can trust. You know, totally. and so where where it led you is really fascinating to me. And like you, I love story because I think you know if you look at any of the way we've connected as human beings it's through story. It's through telling yeah. great stories. And that's why podcasts are so rich and so impactful now. So going yeah. back to this control piece, you're like, yeah, if I couldn't have anything else, I at least could have control when it came to my fitness. So be honest with us here. Like when you first started, was it about you looking good or was it about you feeling like you were in control? No, it was, it was a little of both, honestly. Like I needed a win of some sort. And I thought, gosh, I'm just so out of shape. I'm so miserable right now. I cannot control anything else in my life, but I can control what I do with my body. And I remember thinking like, if I just move every day, if I just do like five minutes of workout, like if I do something, it gave me a sense of control. Now that turned into what that looks like on my body for sure. And which then transitioned even heavier and more. Yeah. But I will say for me, it really did start out as a place to control something I could control initially. Yeah. 
when you were growing up, did you have any idea that you would be a voice for health in any Heck way? Heck no, no, no idea. In fact, I hated, I didn't even like working out. Now I did work out like in college and beyond. Uh, I'm 48 now. So I really, you know, jumped into my fitness career in my late thirties. But when I in college, I just started like dabbling with working out at social hour. It was like social hour and something fun to do. I don't even know what I was doing with it, but yeah. like younger as a kid, I didn't know I would do, be doing anything with health and fitness. And if you had even told me when I started really working out and changing my body and having control on something that I was going to be a fitness expert, I would have been like, what are you talking about? Like, I remember thinking it was funny when I would Google and I would see Natalie Jill as a fitness expert. I'm like, fitness, how am I a fitness expert? Like I'm a single mom that lost her way and got herself back. So it's really quite amazing. I, I did not predict that that was going to happen. That's uh, fascinating to me because you were 39 when things really shifted for you and I'm 39. Like my yeah. birthday's coming up in two months. So I'm just wow. like, okay, I'm in the same lane, like the same timestamp that uh -huh. Natalie Joe is in. And I think what you really represent, and this is what I'm excited to chat with you about, it's about this reinvention. You know, on your site, you have a phrase that's called age in reverse. Yeah. And I think a lot of people feel, specifically um, moms, there's a lot, a lot of beautiful, amazing women in our community, in the wellness force yeah. community. And a lot of them write to me and they post in our group and they talk about how they just kind of feel defeated, you know, like yeah, stuff, stuff is stacked against them. But where you were at 39 uh -huh. was like, Divorced single mom, broke, uh, wasn't happy in your body. You're overweight. You're everything was quote stacked against you, but yet everything. there was something inside of you that said, okay, I know there's something more like, yeah. where, how did you do that? And where did that come from? Was that coming from your heart? Was it coming from yeah. pain? Like where was, where was the fuel to actually have that change be real? So to, to be fair, um, I, I, there were things that were working for me in my life too. Um, and what was working in my life is I had success in the past and I knew I had been powerful in the past, meaning I was in corporate, but I was an empowering person. I had helped a lot of people and I, and I had that charge in me and I knew that. And what was also working for me is I knew how to enroll people. I knew how to, I had sales skills. I had, yeah. I had things working for me. So yes, I felt defeated. I was broke. I was overweight. I was, unhappy in my body. I was depressed. I had lost my husband. Like I, I had a lot happening to me, but I, in, I had deep down in there, this little spark of, I am something more. So I did know that at some level. So what, what happened to me, uh, which is what I see happen to a lot of people through a rock bottom to a, to a pivot, to an amazingness is this shedding of fakeness to authenticity. Authenticity. Yeah. And I say that because I, at that time, before I hit my rock bottom, was living a very fake life, meaning I did all the things I was supposed to do. I had gone to college, check, gotten married, check, had the house with the picket fence, check, the two dogs, the baby on the way. I did all these things. You actually had those things. I had, I actually had those yeah, things. <laughs> they were there. <laughs> they were there, but it wasn't really authentic. It wasn't really who I was. It wasn't really coming from, from me. That's the only way I can explain it. And I remember when things started not working in my life, um, when finances started changing, when my husband and I were, were divorcing, when things were not working in my life, I remember feeling like I couldn't talk to anybody about it. And the reason I felt like I couldn't talk to anybody about it is I didn't want to tell anyone about it. Like that was where the fakeness was. Like I thought I had to look like I had it all together. I can't tell people I'm falling apart. And What's really amazing is what launched my entire new identity and business and success was being vulnerable and actually showing and standing out and showing who I am, like literally surrendering to that and saying, 
I'm a broke, overweight, single, depressed as heck mom right now, and I'm going to get myself together and I'm going to do it publicly. And it wasn't a business plan. It was just me being really real and raw. And that's what connected with people. And that's literally what launched my whole career. All right. So there's a lot there. Like Mm -hmm. there's a part of you that had to have been a little freaked out about sharing that intimately, but yet there was also something inside of you that said, well, I can't not do it. Like what, what was the thing where it said, I can't not do it. So I remember thinking, I know now that the thing that scares you is the thing that you must do. And I remember thinking then like, I can't share. Nobody told me to share it, but I had this glimpse that I needed to share it for accountability. And I remember thinking, but I can't share it. I'll be judged. And, but I also remember thinking like, but what do I have to lose? Like I was in such a bad spot at the time. And by the way, I have, you know, my Facebook now has almost 2 million people following it. I had maybe a hundred high school friends on my Facebook at the time. And I still went on my Facebook and was like, look, I'm in this terrible spot right now. I'm at my rock bottom. This is who I am, but I'm posting here for accountability. So I literally, I didn't have an agenda. I didn't have this, like, I'm going to create a million dollar business. It was nothing like that. It was just me being raw and real and sharing. It seems like it was was more catharsis than anything else. It was more like you putting yourself out there, connected you back to you. Yeah. And it's funny because I've looked now, you know, over the years, like what's worked and what's not worked in my business. Anytime there's a dip of my business not working, I don't always see it right away. But when I look, it's always because I've gotten away from my authentic self. Like, oh, I hired marketing people that know me better than me. (laughs) Like that doesn't work. When I'm truly me and I'm just vulnerable and share. And I don't mean, when I say vulnerable, I don't mean writing a post like about to be vulnerable. Like that's not vulnerable. (laughs) I mean, strategic vulnerability. I mean, just freaking airing my dirt out there, sharing it without an agenda is vulnerable. How do you know when to share and when not to share? Yeah. So uh, that's a good question. Um, my answer now might be different than then. My answer now would be, um, is it going to help somebody else? Um, is it going to help somebody else? Because sharing your crap and just woe is me may not help somebody else, but sharing your crap and woe is me and what you are going to be doing about it or that you're connecting with others about it, that's a very different place. So I think the question to ask is, is this adding value to somebody else by me sharing? That's the question. Because even if you can help one person, it's probably worth sharing. There had to have been models. I don't know if it was parents or friends or somebody modeled this kind of uh, emotional resilience to you. Because at 39, like being broke, being unhappy in your body, did you have two kids or how many children did you have? No, so I was actually, so I was 36 when this, so my daughter's 12 now. So I was 36 when this was really starting to unfold and I'm 48 now. So, um, but at 36, so almost 12 years ago, gosh, wow. I'm going to update my story there. But about 12 years ago, um, no, I didn't have anyone to model. I lived in, I had fake friends. I had fake everything. Everything was fake. In fact, my friends now are very different than who my friends were then. Like I I had no one to model. In fact, I thought I was wronging people by sharing. Why? Why did you think that? Because I thought it, because I I learned to not show emotions. I learned to be tough. I learned, I came from corporate America where you hold it together and you carry on anyway. So I, no, I, I thought I was doing something wrong by sharing. Mm. I thought I was going to upset people. It's so powerful because the, the, some of the things I want to talk to you about are around emotional intelligence. You know, on the show, we always explore emotional intelligence and physical intelligence. And in your realm, especially if we're going to find out how we can age in reverse, which is a yeah. fascinating concept, uh, there, there has to be true intelligence in both. So when you look at the broad sphere of emotional intelligence, like what does that actually even mean to you to be emotionally Gosh. intelligent? 
Well, okay. If you had asked me that three years ago, I would have said it means you're a wimp. Like I wouldn't even know what that meant. Like <laughs> okay. hold it together. Don't cry. Like yeah. I, I don't know. Um, but now it, to me, it means you're a highly evolved person. If you've got emotional intelligence, I think it is the most important thing. It's the most important variable in health. It's the most important thing in your success, in your happiness, in your pain, t- everything. I think emotional intelligence is absolutely the number one most important thing. And it's the thing that's not taught in school. It's not shared enough and it is critical. Why do you think it's not taught in school? Because there's a lot of people that live the way that I thought, like that it's weak. I mean, we, we come from an era of, you know, especially I think in my generation growing up in the seventies, like it was weak to show emotions. Don't be a girl, be a tomboy, be a, Mm. you know, let's compete with men. Like we learned that that was weak. Um, you know, I, I grew up with a dad that never said, I love you because he thought that that would make me mushy. You know, like it just wasn't, that wasn't the norm. It wasn't accepted. Um, and we've been conditioned that that's foo-foo that we don't need to do that. Um, I'm having a deja vu of something we explored in your show. And it's so impactful for this moment because we talked about imprinting and the way that we literally are branded. We, we learn so much from our parents because like, shoot, they bring us into the world. You know, they're a yeah. big part of how we, we grow and how we evolve. When you look at the mom and dad dynamic, um, what was that and how did that shape you in any way, whether it yeah. was shaping you by contrast or shaping you by love and by growth? So I had amazing parents. Um, they did the best they knew how to do. Uh, but my, I'll tell you, my, my dad died when he was 49, but my dad never shared. I've never saw my dad express emotion. I never heard him say, I love you. And in fact, I remember being a little girl and I would cry and my dad would tease me like, Oh, look at the monkey crying. Like it was like a funny thing. And I grew up really thinking that crying made somebody weak, that expressing emotions sounded needy. My gosh, in corporate America, I was the one that went in to fire people because I could hold it together. Mm. You know, like, and I remember even people in corporate crying to me and me basically saying like, take a few minutes to compose yourself. I didn't know how to deal with that. Um, and it's really amazing. Like I think back to now to pain I've had in my body or like that's holding emotions in. Like a lot of that was holding emotions in and not learning how to, to deal with that. So I think I got sidetracked off your question here, but I think there's just nope, not it's perfectly enough, aligned. <laughs> yeah. There just wasn't yeah. enough education around emotional intelligence. I didn't, I really didn't understand that it's truly okay until about three years ago. The, the phrase age in reverse, there's so many things that make us age. And I was funny. I was just talking with my partner about this yesterday and she was like, yeah, this woman we met looks so young. It was Vanessa Lambert from Be The Wellness. Okay. And she was like, she looks so young. And I'm like, yeah, because she expresses herself. Yeah. And I get, I feel this. I'm curious how you feel. People that don't express themselves, the opposite of expression is depression. Depression oh is my what gosh, ages us, right? So think about like your experience, like learning from the dark contrast of your father, like never having permission to show emotion. Mm-hmm. It just it just wasn't there. You just didn't do it. How does that relate to how you help people now? And honestly, how you've even helped yourself? Yeah. And I'm still working on it. Like I honestly still have a hard time crying. It's just like, it's in me. It's, it's very hard to let that out. And I, and I've worked to get to, to figure that out. Um, but I find other outlets to, to get my emotion out, uh, for sure. Now I don't think crying is the only way I think there's other ways, but, um, but it is important to purge that and, and, and release that. Um, so a big, a big part of it is the idea of connection. You know, for years I would have said I'm an introvert. I would have said I'm a social introvert. Like I like being on stage and on video, but 
one-on-one in like a group. Ah, I don't like that. I don't believe that anymore. I think that was me being afraid of connecting. And I, and I believe there's healing in connecting. And I think that we're here to connect and love others. And I think that, uh, me actually opening up and being vulnerable and sharing and meeting new people and connecting has helped me age in reverse. I think it's a, it's a big part of why we're here. Yeah. And, um, but it was a belief I had to unwind and, and change. How do you unwind that kind of a belief? Cause when we talk about imprinting, that thing's hardwired, baby. Yeah. I and mean, that's real hardwired. Yeah. It's a commitment. And, and I'm going to be really real that, um, there's lots of different methods to get there. Yeah. Um, and I started with the less aggressive and I got to the more aggressive and the more aggressive ones work. So for me, like there's different layers, like you could like on the bottom level and there's nothing wrong. I don't mean this is like, this is bottom yeah, level. It's like work, a progression. It depends on who, like, like my daughter is the most emotionally amazing part. Like she's so in touch with her emotions. Like those things would work for her. For me, it was a harder nut to crack. So I'll start with therapy as sort of like that bottom line. For some people, therapy is incredible. For me, not a chance. Like I wouldn't, wouldn't have opened up to a therapist. It just wasn't going to happen with me. Um, and then there's, so there's different layers. Then there's the, you know, meditation, yoga, um, spiritual, and I put them in the same, they're different things, but like religion, all those are ways to get through to you. Right. So for me, even that religion, meditation, yoga was not getting through to me. And then there's, you know, taking it up another level to, to spiritual, like uh, plant medicine, doing, um, breath work. Like those are all different levels. So it's whatever it's going to take for you to break down that barrier, emotional development classes, personal development, whatever it is, that's going to help break you through is what's needed. Do you ever get to points in this journey where you do feel alone? What what do you mean alone? Like, well, like, like, do you ever have the sense that like, oh my gosh, am I doing this alone? Does anyone else struggle like I struggle? Or have you already worked through that construct? I hadn't really thought through, am I doing this alone? I, I believe that everybody at some point in their life gets to this place. And I believe it, sometimes people are just have this awareness early and that's just who they are. Some people, it takes rock bottom. It takes breakdowns in their life, um, to get them to there. Um, or some, some people may never get there till they die. You know, like I think there's just different levels for me. It was, it was having a second massive rock bottom three years ago. that got me there. The the rock bottom, which we're going to get to, but I have to ask you this question because you posted something recently about this conversation with your daughter. And it was about how you had this realization that the the term JAP, Jap, mm-hmm, Jewish American mm-hmm, princess, mm-hmm. and how much judgment that you felt and, and how that kind of knocked you off course. And then this real beautiful conversation that you have with your daughter, that's emotional intelligence is being able yeah. to talk about what really hurts us, you know, so that it gets mm-hmm. out there. And the way that you described it, and we'll link this post in the show notes, the okay. way that you described it to your daughter was what I know for sure, we are all God's children and we all get to our own, our uniqueness, embrace it and celebrate it, even if our celebration is a party of one. Yeah. 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 I now I get why you're asking me that. Yeah. Because I think that not, not everything has to be understood and celebrated by everybody. Everybody has their own truth. They get to get to, and whether that's you celebrating that you got to your truth or you're shouting it from the rooftops doesn't really matter as long as you get to your truth. Yeah. As long as you arrive. Right. But I yeah. feel like this, this term, like arriving, like it's like, when I make this much money, I'm good. <sighs> yeah. When I have this, whatever you talked about, the picket fences and everything you else had, isn't this all just a big fucking lie? I mean, Joe Rogan has talked yeah. about this. Everyone I've had on the show in some way has mentioned that when they got to the thing, when they had like the six yep. figures or the seven figures, they were like, I thought it would feel different than it feels now. Have you here's experienced this I, in your yeah, life? Yeah. And here's what I know for sure. And I like things too, but I'm, I'm more of an experienced person than things. I will say that I, I love things, but I love experiences. 
every single thing in our lives that matters to us will be taken away from us. Whether it's early or later, it's going to be taken away from us. I mean, we, we all leave this earth at some point, every single one of us. So we can't take with us what we have right now. Um, but attachment is a really scary thing because we do get attached to things and they could go away at any time. You know, I just met a woman last week, um, who had built her whole life in Malibu and like in the swoop of one fire at her, everything was gone. Mm. And, and she's actually okay because she had this, this great awareness that she's more than her things. Um, but there's nothing that we have that is permanent. There's nothing that we have that lasts forever. So, so yes, I like money too. And I like, but I, I like money for different reasons. Now I don't like money necessarily for things. I like money for experiences and for how I can help other people. What's your favorite way to leverage money from a place of love? being generous with experiences for others. Like, like I used to, I mean, I remember growing up and I'd pass homeless people and I'd want to give them money. And, you know, I'd hear things like, don't give them money. They're going to buy drugs. I'm like, and now I'm like, well, I don't care if they buy drugs, if it's going to make them happier for the moment. <laughs> I just want people to feel that they're like, I, I do, I carry money with me. Um, you know, a good friend of mine, uh, my friend, Allison had told me recently that she carries, um, different levels of dollar bills with her all the time, like mm. dollars, fives, tens, hundreds, twenty, just so she can feel free to be generous however she feels. And I started experimenting with that and it's really amazing. So like I, there's, I, I would rarely pass a homeless person where I'm not going to do something for them and support them. I just like to be able to be free with my money and working hard and generating money. One of the reasons I do that now is so I can feel free to be generous with experiences and money. I think that's what it's for. I think money is energy. I think it's flow. Um, I, I like nice things too, but I've gotten less attached to nice things. It's, I really want money for what I can do in the world and what I, and what I can experience. What was the event or what was the thing in life that made you shift from just wanting the things to wanting nice things Ooh. to a point? Like what, how did that shift occur? Cause for the many first, people, it's a slippery yeah. slope. The first shift was when I lost everything back in 2007, 2008. I mean, I was $1.4 million in debt. Literally, like one point four. I lost my ass in housing. Credit and cards market. as well. No, actually, not initially. It was okay. um, I was actually the person that turned my nose up to debt for years when I was in my fake life. You know, I, I I thought who has debt? Like you should go to college and get a job. And like you never who has debt? Like I didn't understand. Okay, thanks, universe. You taught me <laughs> because I was the one that put the twenty percent down into my house. I was the one who was responsible and always paid bills on time yeah. until the housing market crashed, and until I was going through a divorce, and until I almost lost my house, and I had to make a decision. And my decision was to stop paying my mortgage so I can feed my daughter, and that was a very scary decision. And that reflects on your credit report. Hello. Yes, so, it does. I, so I remember going to put car, uh, gas in my car, and I'd never been late on a credit card payment in my life, and it was rejected. And I called American Express from my car and said, why is my credit card rejected? And they said, well, Natalie, you're $1.4 million in debt. And I just remember my heart sinking, like, how am I $1.4 million in debt? I didn't understand. But that's when I started selling off everything. You know, I sold off jewelry that mattered to me. I sold off everything that mattered to me. And I had a hard time even, you know, now with my, my husband, my husband, Brooks, he loves nice clothes. And I, I remember him buying me designer shoes for the first time. And I had like a really hard time with it. Like I felt that it's, you know, frivolous or mm. not, this is not a good, and I've had to embrace a different mindset around that too, that like, it's okay to treat yourself to nice things too. Like we can be worthy of nice things. I'm just not attached to them anymore. There's a difference. Like I have nice things for a period because I enjoy them. And, and when they don't serve me anymore, I, I, they don't serve me anymore, but I don't yeah. need them for my happiness. You know, I did a 
10 day Vipassana. And I'm not sure if you've ever explored Vipassanas, mm-hmm. you know, the, the silent meditations. No, and, I've heard about that. Yeah. They're an ass kicker. And then there's some people like, um, a friend of mine just went into darkness. He meditated in darkness oh, wow. in a cave for, for five Ooh, days. Anyways, that fun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's different degrees. But the question that came up for me is when you talked about impermanence, like, yeah, we're going to lose everybody. Like our, your relationship with, with things has changed so much. There's this phrase that they talk about in Vipassana and it's called Anicca. And Anicca is Sanskrit for impermanence. Everything's impermanent. And I remember feeling so angry about that. It's almost like there was a part of me that didn't want to believe that everything yeah. was impermanent and that we would lose all things. This is a fairly philosophical question, but it feels like it's the right time. Yeah. How do you deal with that? How do you deal with the fact that we will lose everything and that everyone that we love and all these things that we've gathered and done and all this will one day go away? I mean, how do you make peace with all that? I don't even try to make peace with it. It just is. I mean, it, it is, it is, it is what it is. And it actually gives me a sense of comfort about, I don't go into the conversation of, I don't have, like, I don't look at people's things with jealousy at all because I know it's a knowing. Um, and, and I choose to hold experiences as a higher value to me. It doesn't mean you won't see me with nice things. It's just different. Yeah. There's not, there's not an envy around it. There's not a jealousy around it. Um, in fact, my husband and I, believe it or not, like we don't, we don't own our house right now. Now I, after owning four homes and losing my ass in the, in the housing market, I don't care about owning a home right now, right now that could change later. I don't yeah. care. I don't, I don't ever want that stress again. To me, I enjoy finding a new rental property that we love and can live at for a couple of years. And then a new adventure that works for me in my life right now. I no longer care about the practicality of, Oh, but you're losing money. And I don't care. I'm in it for less attachment and for experiences now. And so that works for me in my husband right now. One day we might build a home, but I'll tell you, I wouldn't build a home unless I was going to be okay losing it too. Mm. Tell me about that. Like, it's almost like I visualize like a sandcastle at the beach where the water comes in and just sweeps it all away. Meaning if I ever have a $10 million home, it's probably because I have $20 million and I could do that. You know, like Mm. it's, it's just, I just don't, I don't ever want to be in a position where something owns me, where I'm like, if I lost this, I would be, you know, I don't want to be in that position. Yes. Total sleep breakthrough in 2020. I've been using cured full spectrum hemp oil. Let me tell you what it's not. It's not for getting high. We know this. It is non-psychoactive. It has no THC. It has 100% terpene-rich, cannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, organically grown hemp oil. What does this actually do to the body? The reason I love this is because it down-regulates the sympathetic nervous system. If you look at the research on PubMed and everywhere else, although the FDA does not allow anyone to make bold claims, this I can speak from a personal perspective. I take this organically grown Colorado hemp in the evenings. I hold it under my tongue for 60 seconds. I back this up with my data from the aura ring. My deep sleep increases, my restlessness goes away, and I just sleep better. And we know that whether you're having digestive issues or joint pains or sleep issues, the most important thing for your recovery is your sleep. So if you've been struggling with sleep, Give Cured Full Spectrum Organically Grown Hemp a test drive. You get 15% off because you're here with us in the Wellness Force mission. It is wellnessforce.com forward slash cured. Enter code wellnessforce at checkout. You get 15% off your organically grown hemp. If you've been looking for a hemp product that has been tested and vetted, give Cured a test drive at wellnessforce.com forward slash cured. Use the code wellnessforce to get 15% off your entire order.
You know, this is really relates to your concept of aging in reverse, because the things that make us age the fastest are depression, not expressing ourselves. Financial stress is probably, I would say, if not the number one, it's definitely up there in the top three. And then, of course, it comes to like belief, self-love and self-worth. These are like the core components that I see that age people rapidly, their food choices in there, too. But I'm curious, like why you even chose this phrase age in reverse. Like, what does that mean to you? It's so funny. So my original choice for the world is not what it means right now. My original grand plan idea three years ago was I was going to teach everybody how to look like young forever. Like we're going to we're going to have the doctors on talking about Botox and whatever. That is so (laughs) not what it is now. (laughs) Like, Boy, was I in for a rude awakening. Um, so when I first came up with that title, before I wrote my my book that's in stores now, Aging Reverse, that was my vision, that I was going to have these like high-end retreats of like these women that want to look perfect. There, I so am so far from that now that I can't even believe that that was actually a vision. Huh. What Aging in Reverse means to me now is having the childlike wonder that we had as kids when anything was possible, when we were creative, when we believed anything was possible, and we were actually living for love and joy. Because that actually is what I know is true to make people age in reverse and feel younger, look younger and be younger now. So I was in for a rude awakening when I was so focused on external looks or what I have or all that. And that wasn't working for me. And now what I know is the true joy is in actually just being your authentic self and you know, I think back to like little, like I look at little kids playing at the beach, whatever, like they're so confident. They're like just having fun. There's no sense of time. They're very present. All they care about is love and presence and fun and joy. And that is what I see keeps people young is when you embrace that. I love this. You lit up like your whole body was Christmas tree Mm -hmm. when I brought up your daughter, because it's like just, just thinking or just hanging out with the vibration of kids, it activates the kid in us. Like it allows us to feel what it's like to, as you said, access that, that childlike joy. And let's be real. Like we're in a world where bills need to get paid and there's like responsibilities and construction projects and the TPS reports are due, blah, blah, blah. All that stuff just feels arid. It just feels like it's so cumbersome and boring to the mind that if we're not careful, if we're not aware it can just crush us. It can, it can make our soul feel like it's dying. It can make us lose our yep. childlike joy. How do you integrate this awareness, this teaching in, in your messaging around aging in reverse? Yeah. So I, the first part of that question is I do it very carefully because people don't want to hear that. They want to hear what's the injection I need. What's the surgeon? <laughs> who's the surgeon? I, that's what they want to hear, right? Yeah. They want to know the quick fix. And what I know now to be true and me included, because God knows I've done enough to my body and to myself for years to try to look a certain way, feel a certain way. And what I know for now is that person that seeks that has a broken foundation they're working from. And that's like putting rust on a freaking painting over rust. It really is. And, yeah. and I'm speaking my truth with that because that was me. And, and I did that. And I, and I can honestly say I've way backed off of that stuff. And I'm, and I'm, I'm a different person now because I get this and I'm not better than anyone. I just get it now. I I just get this now. And what I know for sure is that women think that that's what they want, but what they really want is to love themselves and they really want to feel whole again. And the way to get there is not from all the surgery and the injections and all the the stuff that we're doing to ourselves. Um, it's, it's going back and healing past trauma. It's going back. It's getting off the freaking addictions. And I, and I mean the Xanax, the drinking, the sleeping too much, the workaholic, the, whatever the addiction, the shopping, whatever the addiction is getting off of that and actually feeling and actually feeling and knowing what it's like to actually be alive and live and have joy. And 
when you can get to that place, so much good comes from that. But it's, I got to ease people into that carefully because nobody wants to hear that initially. They want to come to me for the secret. So we start with the secret. I give you the secrets first to help warm you up (laughs) and then we're going to get into the deeper stuff. Well, you give, um, it sounds like to me that you're giving people maybe what they're a little bit of what their ego wants or a little bit of what they might receive as a immediate gratification yes. so they can feel some traction. It's kind of like, I remember, you know, you were in fitness for a long time. You have yeah. somebody lose weight in the first week or two and then they're excited because they're like, yeah. oh, I feel good. I, exactly. I have an immediate result. But then the real work comes in the middle, yeah. like when the rubber meets the road. So where does the rubber meet the road when it comes to people actually aging in reverse Like I understand in the beginning, you give them probably wins so that they feel like they're in momentum, but where does the rubber meet to road and, and, and where does the conflict come up for most people there? Yeah. The conflict comes up when we live too much in our ego, when it's not enough and we're not willing to trust the process and, and open up. Um, the win comes in connection. As soon as you can open up to connecting with others and realizing there's others like you feeling this and start opening the conversations, that's what, what opens up the floodgates. So it's it's in the connection. And it's why I have a community now. It's why I am reachable and accessible. It's why I started taking one-on-one clients again in a mm. different level, not in the gym. I'm not taking them in the gym or doing sure. their diet plan, but why I do work selectively with some one-on-one clients that really want to get to this because it's in that connection that the change happens. What inspires you to work with, with- one-on-ones again. Cause I would think like after working yeah. in fitness for so long, there was a part where I just, I didn't want to coach or work with anyone for a long time. Cause yeah. I was kind of burnt, you know, well, so I, what was reinvigorated of, that? I was tired of doing nutrition plans when I like, I'm like, if you want my nutrition plans, I've got a million programs for that. Like we don't need the one-on-one conversation there. Yeah. Uh, same. And I wasn't going to train one-on-one, but I, I do know that there are women that they, they are scared to connect. They want to connect, but they're scared to. And, and there's a trust piece in me because they like either the way that I look or they like what I've stood for or what I built or whatever. So I thought I really do make a difference when I can connect with someone. So I'm selective. I don't work with everybody and, and, I, and I'm not cheap. I'm going to be real. Yeah. The, and, and the reason I'm not cheap is for a lot of reasons. Um, but the biggest reason is the investment in oneself. I know what I've invested into myself to break through stuff. And I think people need to put their money where their mouth is on that and invest in themselves. Um, so, and I, I, and I, because I only do take, uh, I take four clients a quarter. That is it. So I'm, I mean, I, I literally, I want to go deep with the clients I work with. So I, I do that. Um, but I decided that I can make a bigger impact connecting deeper with someone. And especially if I'm doing it with a thought leader, cause there's a trickle down effect. Yeah. So if I think of my clients now, they're all thought leaders, they all have their own audiences, their own. And I know that by me helping them break through, they're going to help the masses. And that to me is very rewarding. The thought leader is a really cool phrase, you know, cause yeah. I work in the media world a lot. Like I work with uh Rhythmia who's part of this podcast. Yeah. They, they support this podcast. You actually were, were at Rhythmia, I think two weeks ago, last and, week, last week. <laughs> yeah. So like, and also, you know, I speak at Paleo FX and yeah. I go to conferences and and I have awesome conversations like this that are just enjoyable and they're they're really tangible for people. Yet I can't help but notice you and I operate in a world of how many followers do you have and what is your reach and what is your impressions and your engagement. We live in this zero and ones where we're trying to quantify human beings by their social media reach. I mean, it's fucking unbelievable. Yeah. What's your take on where we are right now? How do you maintain authenticity and integrity there? 
That's a good question. So first of all, I don't even look at it as followers or it's, it, they're really, they're people. Like they're all heartbeats. They're people. So when I say thought leader, I don't necessarily mean like somebody who has millions of followers, like followers online. I mean, somebody that's making a difference in the world and has an impact on other people. And I think all of us can be that, but that's who I'm interested in helping. I want the trickle down effect. So somebody comes to me that they are, you know, they're in the work, they're a therapist, yeah. they're whatever that it is, they're, they're a speaker and I can help them break through this. I know the trickle down effect is going to, is going to help the masses. Um, I'll always have my programs that deal with how to get a six pack. That's not gone away. Like I'm not going to delete those things. However, I do know there's so much more to that. And, um, to me, I find that I can help really break people through more when they're actually in my community or on my calls with me or working one-on-one with me. I'm going to make a bigger impact there than just giving you a video or a PDF or, you know, a program. So that's why I chose to step back into that. And I get to honor what I'm here for and my time. And that's why I I am selective with who I work with for those things. Do you believe in, and I'm, I'm saying this because it seems like you've progressed and pivoted and now you're working with people deeply. Do you believe that we should ever eat, be exploring 10 year plans, 15 year plans, 20 year plans. Do you no. think life moves so fast <laughs> that it doesn't even apply anymore? It doesn't even matter. Like, it, no, who let's focus on being who we're being. Like that's the problem. We're always so far into this, who we're going to be and create or yeah. what was holding us back that we're not, we stopped just being like, mm. let's just be right now. <laughs> so I'm all for like planning, it's, but you got They have to be loose plans. Like I always kind of know we're in the direction I'm headed, but I'm, I'm not really, I'm not going to be detailed on, I'm going to do these things to get there. And that, cause it doesn't, I don't know. It's just, I get clear on my vision of the direction and then how it actually happens that I let the universe kind of help with that. When you say vision, it's a term that I think gets thrown around quite a bit. And okay. I'm curious what that even means to you. You know, like, yeah. like for example, my vision is to reach a million people a month across all of our channels. And so we're definitely on the way to getting there. And so that yeah. vision is something I held since the beginning. And I'm curious for you, like when you, when you first started based on now has vision, has the term, my vision stayed the same? Yeah. What is your vision now? Change. What was it in the beginning? My vision at the beginning was very like, um, it's, it's got, it's yo-yoed up and down. So let me explain that. So my vision when I very, when I started was just to take steps forward. Like literally my eyes was, how do I get myself out of this? It was just baby steps, like take steps forward. And I started with little mini goals. Like I'm going to be on fitness magazines or whatever it was. I had these little goals. Um, when I've gotten into trouble is when I've gotten really attached to a very specific vision. So to give you an example, my first book, uh, seven day jumpstart on process your diet. It was originally an ebook and it did really well as an ebook. It did well financially. I helped hundreds of thousands of people with this ebook. It like changed people's lives and my ego got in the way and I wanted it to be in stores. So I got a book deal and it was published in Barnes and Noble and all the things. Mm. And I had a vision that I was going to be New York times. And somehow along that way, I lost track of what I was doing the book for. It was now it became all about hitting New York times. So I, did everything in my power to sell, you know, 30, 40,000 books. And then I didn't hit New York times and I got depressed and I was like, I was in a funk uh, for weeks. And it took my husband saying to me, Natalie, look at the reviews. Look how many people you've helped for me to get back to earth and go, Oh my gosh, like what was my vision? It was so ego-based like, no. So 
yeah, my vision has changed with things now. Now I go in a certain direction. Like right now, my vision is as simple as I want to help empower people. That's it. I, it, I don't have to have the details on it. Yeah. I just help empower people. And I do things that are, that are led with love and I do things that are good in the world. And I, and I, that's my vision and it's, and I'm okay with that. I don't put pressure on myself to be very specific and put it in a box. Yeah. The, it's interesting because vision is something that I think changes as we change. And so I really, I'm in the same camp as you. I don't think that even a five-year plan applies anymore because things move so quickly. Look at how technology moves us. Yeah. I mean, we are in such a crazy time right now. Human evolution has this curve where it goes like this. Technology just is exponential. It just keeps rising and rising and rising. If you look at some of the work from the X Prize and from all the, the men and women that are in this whole technology movement, Ray Kurzweil, the singularity, like technology ain't going to stop. It's going to continue to replicate really, really fast. How do you see us operating in this world where technology is going to be a beast? Social media yeah. is going to continue to harvest our attention for money and time. Like, how are you shaping the narrative yeah. so that we're healthy around technology? Yeah, I'm, I, I really do believe that we're going to get back to small group connection and like micro communities. I think social media has been amazing and it's helped us reach and find new pockets of people, yeah. but it's really created monsters with people and ego <laughs> with this like thing of like, I have to have followers or I've yes. got to like, and I think what people are really searching for is some realness again, and that's yeah. micro community. So I think social media is here to stay, but maybe it's here to stay to help us find our tribes. You know, like it's here so you could easily navigate and find your people. But like, I'm not interested in having, you know, 20 million social media followers. I'm interested in connecting with really people that want my help and mm. that I can really connect with. So uh, going deeper with smaller groups. It's so cool to hear you say that because, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs that might listen to the show or just people in general would be like, wow, this woman has, quote, millions of people that follow her. But the reality is, is a lot of like Facebook and Instagram and all these mm. things, we don't own that bandwidth at no. any moment. They could take that away. Right? And it doesn't really matter. I'll tell you, the more people you have following you, the less you're reaching people, by the way. Tell me so more like, about that. So like if I had, when I had, call it 5,000 social media followers, most of those people would see my newsfeed. Yeah. They would see what I'm, now with, my gosh, between platforms, three, four million people, I don't know who sees my stuff. It's not the same people seeing it consistently. So it's a lot harder to go deeper with things. So mm. just because you have 2 million people on a platform doesn't mean it's translating to, to money or to clients or any of that. Um, so I, I, I lose people on Instagram every single day and I'm like, yes, that's awesome. You know why? Because it's just making more room for the people that want to be there to actually see my stuff and yeah. connect with me. Uh, I love that. And I love I, my favorite part of your answer is when you said, I think we're going back to micro communities mm -hmm. because I feel that like, yeah. I don't know. And, and I, I was at a Brendan Burchard conference once and he, and he said this, like, we only get about 150 high tension decisions every day, you know, decision mm. fatigue. And we also can only have 150 really rich, deep, wide relationships with human beings in our lives. And I don't know the exact number, but I yeah. only have a handful of very, very close best friends. Right. Yeah. And because it takes time and energy and it takes my chi to interact with totally. them along with my, my partner, my business and everything else. So my question to you is like this micro community element, are you, obviously you have a micro community with, with your brand and who you are, but are you also training other people to create their own micro communities so that we can actually grow the micro communities yeah. in the world? You know, I haven't really done it in that direction. I do one off like that included when I say I take one off clients. Yeah. 
people come to me for different reasons. Some of them come to me because they want to look better. Some of them come to me because they want business help. I literally lump it into the same category. So, so yes, I think it's all part of my conversations with them. Um, and it's part of aging in reverse. It's part of tribe is everything. Like we, we've gotten so far away from tribe. It's become so fake. Like I'm just going to have these fake follower and I not fake as an actual fake, but like, we don't know who these people are. Um, well, and a lot of them have robots that, that actually are fake. Maybe. Yeah. (laughs) It's not actual people, but actual connection and tribe is so important. So anything we can do to get back to that is, is critical and amazing. And Mm. if you look at like blue zone, uh, communities, I mean, all of them, they live in tribe, they live in community. Like we're not meant to live by ourselves, isolated as an introvert that just shows up on Facebook every day. Like that's not how we're meant to live. We're meant to live in community and tribe. And that's part of aging in reverse. I love this. We had Jason Prawl on the show, the the director of human longevity. And um, that was what he found is that no matter it was Icaria, Greece, or it was them going to Sardinia, the real centenarians, the people that would live to a hundred, they had higher power connection and they had micro communities. Like yeah. talking, that's what made them live longer. That's what made them quote Asian reverse. So totally. as we, I mean, we could talk for a lot more time, <laughs> but I know people probably are already listening to this for the second time. If you could leave us with wisdom and, and some parting guidance around really being at peace and loving ourselves so that we can age in reverse. Like what are the beginning steps for that? Oh gosh. Well, I have a whole method behind it. So I'll try to keep it short, but I would say the number one thing is make a decision, like decide that you're ready to start taking on and leveling up your life and living a better life. So whether that is, I'm ready to start aging in reverse. I'm ready to start. I'm ready to shed this weight. I'm ready to create financial freedom. I'm ready for connection, whatever it is, you have to make a decision first. I think that's, we lack from decision. We're waiting for life to happen to us and we have to decide that it's going to happen. So the decision is the number one, the number one thing. The second thing is I call a driving core motivator. We have to know what's driving this change. What's your real reason why? I think a lot of times we have these visions and goals and decisions for ourselves, but we don't even know why we want them. Like, I want more money. Why do you want more money? Like, what's that for? Mm -hmm. I want a new relationship or I want to lose weight. Like, what is that for? Getting to the root of your real driving core motivator makes a big difference for people. And then the third thing is we were just talking about vision, but I'm you have to know where you're headed. And it can be general, but you have to know where you're headed. If you don't know where you're headed, it doesn't, you know, who knows where you're going to end up. So you got to pick the, it can be as easy as I want to empower people or I want to, you know, I don't know, whatever I want to have a family, you have to have some type of vision of what it is that you, you want, or we're not going to end up there. And then the fourth thing is we have to start getting really aware of false assumed truths. I say I kill fat for a living. Hmm. Those are false assumed truths, like these limiting beliefs that have held us back, like my genetics or my financial situation or anything victim mentality uh, is a false assumed truth. And then the fifth fifth thing before we get into like the detail specifics would be you've got to change your thoughts, actions, and habits if you want to make a change. So if- Everything you are right now today, you are a result of your past thoughts, habits, and actions, right? So if you want something different, we've got to address and change all three of those things. We have to change your thoughts, your actions, and your habits if we want to create something different. So those five places are where I really focus with clients and whether they come in through my books or one-on-one, we have to address those things first. Wow. And it seems like no matter what they're up to, that all of these pillars, these, these five steps, um, you might spend time on one more than the other. Oh you know, yeah. They're, they're not I mean, linear. I've had clients, it takes us 12 weeks to get to their damn decision. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> what is it that you actually want? Yeah. 
And that's yeah. fine, but we're making headway. So it's yeah. some people I get through everything the first call. You know, it's it's really everybody's on their own path and we're all of different personalities, but it, it has to go in that process or we can't get there. Well, I, we covered a lot of ground when it comes to even this concept of aging in reverse. And I, one of the things I love the most that you shared is you're like, yeah, I'm going to be honest. When I started it, it was going to be like Botox and interviewing people on beauty. Yeah. And then you're like, then I realized it was actually going within. <laughs> Yeah. By the way, my thing on Botox has how much this has shifted for me. And I'm, yeah. I'm somebody who's done Botox before, but I have not done it in several years. And I'll tell you, like, I look at it so different. I'm like, why would you inject something that freezes your third eye? Like, like that's how far I've come. Like, yeah. from, let me freeze my face to like, why would I put something in my third eye? <laughs> like, so I, so I've changed. I'm look, I'm not against plastic surgery. I'm not against any of it. I just know that there's something bigger and and I'm someone who's walked through it all. Yeah. There's something bigger and it's a bigger break for people when you get to the stuff first. The phrase that I I feel come up for you is this term earned wisdom. And um, mm-hmm. I, I believe that it's been mentioned in Buddhist text and it's a phrase where it says, beware of wisdom that you haven't earned. But on the, wow. flip, on the flip side of that, that's people that I think you and I know or, or have seen that they might go from like ceremony to ceremony to ceremony and, mm-hmm. you know, personal development conference to conference. And they're not actually integrating it. They're not actually yeah. doing the reps and like calming themselves down and putting in the work to, to apply it. And, and my question for you is, what is one of the biggest pieces of wisdom that you really in your heart feel like you've earned? God, that, <laughs> that's a hard one with the, that we actually don't know Jack shit. <laughs> we really don't know anything. We don't, there's things are changing all the time. We don't know anything. All that is true is our actual truth. You're at, and everyone knows their actual truth. So what I know for sure is that we get to stop hiding and we get to, my next tattoo is going to say truth. I've already, I decided that last week that, mm. I, you know, tattoos mean things to me, but I want to get a tattoo that says truth because whenever you stay in your actual truth is when life works for you. So all we actually know is our own personal truth. We don't know anything else. Like you can go attend a seminar, you could attend, but it always going to come back to your truth and what you're doing with it. Wow. Mic drop for the third time at least. And the last thing I want to ask you is around every single thing that we've mentioned. And it's at this nexus, you know, I feel like really what wellness is and what I'm always learning about is this, this physical component, this mental component, and also the higher power, you know, the fact that like you said, we don't know anything, like there's something else that breathes us and there's something else that controls all things. And that's the physical. So where these three overlap, there's like this sweet spot in the middle. How do you define that sweet spot? Like what does wellness mean to you? How do you define wellness? Gosh, wellness. How do I define wellness? Um, I don't even know how to, how do I answer that? Um, being aware, being awake, being aware and being awake. I think that most, I know now, actually, I don't think I know Mm. that disease, disease is caused from dissing ease, from not living, from not feeling, from not accepting from not being truthful disease comes when we block all of that. I believe that with every inch of my body now, me included, if I were to get a dang disease, I believe that it comes from, um, from not being our true selves. I, I just, that's what I, that's what I know right now. Well, thank you for that reflection because it comes from a woman who's done the gathering, the applying and the embodiment, right? And so you've been on this planet for some time now. And as we say goodbye, I just want to thank you 
for all the work that you've done, you know, starting out, like coming into the public and being like, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I feel compelled to share my journey. And like you were doing it way before it was quote cool. Mm -hmm. So thanks for having the courage, you know, to to live your life well, to do the things that you've done. NatalieJillFitness.com is the website, but where do you play? Where can people learn more about you and get involved? Yeah, gosh, I'm everywhere. You can find me everywhere. And it's funny. I like, I'm like, I'm, am I stuck with Natalie Jill Fitness forever? Probably. (laughs) It's like, so funny. I, I, cause I'm, I feel like I'm so much more than Natalie Jill Fitness, but I built everything on there. So yes, it's still there. You can find me there. Um, I'm on social media everywhere. Natalie Jill Fit on Instagram and on Facebook. And then my podcast is called Leveling Up and I've had Josh as well on there. So uh, check out Leveling Up. Thank you for coming on the show. And uh, we're talking about Natalie Jill a lot in the Wellness Force group. It's uh, wellnessforce.com forward slash group. And also, I just want to say, this is a totally unexpected conversation. I didn't Uh, know too much about you before we jumped on the podcast, but I knew from our friends that you had something special to give. So it's been really remarkable. And I know people have already heard this twice. So until we see everyone again, I'm wishing you love and wellness. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening to the show, my friend. Everything you learned on this podcast starts with your morning practices. So from over 300 world-class guests, we pulled together six simple yet powerful morning practices down into a 21-minute system guaranteed to increase your vibration and the way that you feel every day. Get this free powerful guide over at wellnessforce.com forward slash M21. And if you love this show, share it with somebody. Share it with somebody that you love or that you care about. You can support the show easily by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. Just go to wellnessforce.com forward slash review. Or if you're on your phone, just tap it, hit the link in purple that says review this podcast. And the journey does not stop here. We're continuing this discovering process in our private Facebook group over at wellnessforce.com forward slash group. You can be a part of it. You already are. All you have to do is join us at wellnessforce.com forward slash group and I will welcome you at the door. Now go out into your life and live your life well. And until I see you again real soon, I'm wishing you love and wellness.